Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support creative control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support creative control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol today. I'm Bisha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. Well, it's uh, a real honor to be uh, hosting the show for her very first album recording. Uh, You guys are absolutely going to love her. Please give her your warmest round of applause for Vancouver's own Sophie Bottle, everybody! Creative Control with Vish Sophie Buttle is a very funny comedian and writer based in Vancouver, British Columbia. An actor and contributor to CBC Comedy Programming and a seasoned, award-winning, and award-winning adjacent stand-up, Buttle hosts the Obsessed with Sophie Buttle podcast and released an excellent live album in 2019 called Lil' Bit of Buttle. Sophie's headed to Montreal's Just for Laughs Festival between July 30th and August 1st in the year 2021 to tape a special for Crave TV. And so she and I caught up for a good chat about her family life and and her family in Edmonton, actually. How men react to her provocative stand-up comedy jokes, what the pandemic has taught her about herself, her sober boyfriend, and other people, the prevalence of fear and suspicion in modern life, her current comedy projects, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 627th episode of Creative Control featuring the hilariously brilliant Sophie Buttle with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Sophie. How's it going? Hey, good. Thank you so much for talking to me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm a fan, if I might say. You don't, what? Know, you don't know this about me, but I'm a fan of yours. No, I did not know that. I saw you perform at least once at JFL 42 when I lived in Ontario, uh, in Toronto. Uh, that's where that festival happened. Uh, I don't know. How many, yeah. time, how many times have you done that particular festival? 
definitely at least four. Oh, okay, a bunch of times. Yeah, I've done it a lot. I mean, a lot of the times I was there for for Top Comic, which is a kind of the biggest comedy contest competition in Canada, and then the finals happen at JFL 42, Okay, usually, and I famously am the only person to ever come runner-up three times. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't seem right to me. Do you, how, are the people who, how are the people who won doing now? Are you doing better than them? I, I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's harder to come runner-up three times. Nobody else has come runner-up three times. Lots of people have won. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you are in a league of your own, is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. I invented a new prize. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, anyway, I saw you opening for it was at the it was at the um cinema, I think. Uh the on, Oh yeah, that was I was probably opening for Nick Soon. Yes. I remember. I think that's yeah. right. In my head it was Neil Brennan, but that could be Did you ever open for Neil Brennan? I don't think I opened for Neil Brennan, but that's one of the venues they use yeah, pretty yeah. often. And for that it, festival. Yeah, I, I don't mean to make this a, a memory jog all about me, but that's I was I was really <laughs> impressed with your set. I know it was a it was a pretty short set, and then your record uh, is also great. That came out in uh, I think it's like 2019 or something, right? A little bit of yeah, butter? yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm just all I'm trying to convey to you briefly is that i'm a, i'm a fan so it's nice to speak with you uh first of all where in well, the oh you're welcome first of all where in the world are you today so i'm i'm in vancouver in my apartment and i'm just getting ready i i booked a, a venue in vancouver tonight called little mountain gallery which is kind of our comedy bar for those in toronto it's like a almost a black box theater size but it's it's really cheap to rent out for comedians so, you know, it's a couple hundred bucks and then you, you do all your own bar stuff. So it's like it's a really great space for for people that don't have a lot of money that want to put on a couple little shows. Mm-hmm. And so I booked it out tonight so that I can run my set for my special twice and doing a couple shows just to practice it all in a row because stand up hasn't really come back into full swing yet. So I haven't had the chance to really run my full set the way I want it to be. Yeah. So I'm pretty, yeah. Ex- pretty excited to, to finally get to do that. Well, congratulations on, on that. I believe if, if I have my information correct, this is a special you might be doing for the crave. Uh, yeah. The, the crave people. I don't know what to call them. They're the crave people. <laughs> yeah. The cravers. <laughs> yeah. So that's great. Uh, so this will be before some semblance of an audience I'm gathering. Yes, I mean in BC right now the rules are either fifty percent capacity or fifty people, whichever one is greater. So for this, it's it's fifty people per show. Oh, that's a, that's a good. Which is that's pretty good. Yeah, that's plenty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm in Edmonton, Alberta. My family and I moved here uh, January 2020 from Ontario, and so uh, it's been wa- oh, nice. A lot of the bottles are in Edmonton. Oh, is that is that a fact? I did not know that. Well, why would I know that? We've just met. That's a. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't do a deep dive into your family history. Uh, uh, so no, that's. Are you from? So, so you didn't drive by my grandma's house. <laughs> well, you know what? I might have by accident and not even known it. Are you from? Are you actually? So does that does that suggest you're from Edmonton? No, no. It's that's my my dad's side of my family is all from Edmonton. I grew up mostly with my mom, so we grew up. I was born in Montreal and then went to school in Ottawa, which is uh, my mom's side is the Rosenblums. Okay, the Jewish side. Right. So, and yeah, most of that family is out there, but I love my Edmonton family too. You know, they're, they're very cool. I haven't done very many shows in Edmonton, but I, I I was, I did a tour, I did a tour, I guess two years ago now with Rick Mercer and Just for Laughs and we had a big show in Edmonton. So it was cool to get to bring my grandma out to that because, you know, you don't get a lot of opportunities in comedy to impress your grandma, but a Rick Mercer show is like <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> what did your uh, What did your grandmother make of your set? Uh, has your family heard your album even? Because I would be. I wonder. Mm. <laughs> I wonder what it would be like to yeah. present such material to family members. Uh, what did your grandmother first? First of all, what did your grandmother make of your set in Edmonton? Well, both of my grandmothers, because we did a show in Ottawa, too, for my other grandma. Both of my grandmothers love a dirty joke. Not worried about them, really. Oh, okay, good. Try, I, I did try to make it a little bit cleaner 
than I would usually do, but this crepe special is going to be so dirty, and I'm pretty worried because <laughs> I've been kind of shielding a lot of people in my life from my stand-up for 12 years now. Like, there are some people I'm very close to that have really never seen what it is I'm about, and for this crepe special, I'm I'm just kind of, I'm picking all my favorite jokes that I do, and it's looking so dirty. Like, I just don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know why I can't enjoy just a regular observational joke it's it's gonna be a horrible special <laughs> now i mean i i know that uh, as a fan of stand-up uh, comedians uh when they're performing they we, we often unless they're doing some full-on character we're getting a heightened version of their real personality if you will a performative mm-hmm. version does this suggest perhaps sophie that you are quote unquote dirty are you a dirty person no, definitely not. I'm a virgin. Feel free to print that. Uh, <laughs> I'm a, for, for my grandparents. I'm a virgin. Don't watch my comedy. It's just it's, that's it's, the headline. <laughs> it's, a, it's a character. You're doing a character who happens to I'm be... I'm doing a character yeah. based off of a much a much worse grandchild. <laughs> Are, were you or have you been ever drawn particularly to... Again, I'm putting it in quotes... Have you been drawn, do you find, to dirty comedy? Or is there a comedy that isn't dirty that has appealed to you over the years you've been interested well, in comedy? I, I I figure that every joke is going to offend somebody. And if you're doing kind of dirty sexual material, you kind of know who it is specifically you're offending. And I'm okay with that. Like, you know, people, it's a, it's a universal experience. Like I, to me, comedy is, you're trying to connect with people, right? And yeah, find of course. stuff in common and yeah. sex and, and food and family. Like to me, those are all in the same realm of re- relatability. And uh, I think that's why comics gravitate towards it so much. Cause it's like, you do know that most people are going to relate on some level and the people that don't relate or don't like joking about sex or whatever, they just um, can enjoy their Big Bang Theory, and that's fine. That was kind of an unintended pun, wasn't it? If they're not into the sex, <laughs> they might enjoy the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, that's... Oh, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, do you get... I, often comedians talk about interactions they've had with audience members after a set, and they'll get that instant feedback. I liked it. I didn't like it. How dare you keep doing that? Like, you should keep doing that. That was funny. Do you get people who come up come up to you and, t- and want to talk to you about your set? Yeah. And, and do they have you? Yeah. Ha- you you do often. Often, yes. Men love to give me a tag. Men love oh, to no. just like just let me know a little tweak I could do that would really make that joke work. Yeah. And I always tell them, "Oh my God, you're right. I'm going to do it." And then <laughs> I just go home and I continue with my life because <laughs> there's no reason. I don't see it as a teaching moment. Like, I don't see it as, like, a time to explain to them because that's more time and effort on my part. I just say, oh, my God, you're so funny. You should be a comedian. (laughs) And then we both leave the interaction better for it. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, what you've just done. I know this wasn't meant to be a teachable moment, but I think you've shown us how anyone could talk to a man. That's pretty much what you... (laughs) Humor them, let them know that, yeah, I, uh, you're heard, we hear you, yeah. and then move on. <laughs> yeah, that's generally... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm an enabler. I'm an enabler for mansplainers, <laughs> but that's, uh, to me, it's just the path of least resistance. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. So how, as a comedian who, I mean, you say you don't know why you don't just gravitate towards observational comedy, but I think you, you do. Um, I mean, the things you're talking about are observational whether they get intimate or not uh and so (laughs) so so you've i assume mostly been away from your primary source of fodder people uh for some time Mm -hmm. what are you thinking about people at this point based on everything we've gone through since the onset of lockdowns and the pandemic do you have perspectives on people uh in isolation have you developed any new ideas about what people are like so to speak yeah, well, I I just really realized how much I miss people. I'm I'm really extroverted and I like I like being around people, like my friends one-on-one. I like being in a group. I obviously like being around crowds. 
and I the whole year I just was missing people and the energy you get and this and that and then as soon as stuff has started opening up a little bit I'm like why won't people get out of the way like people just keep standing <laughs> in the middle of the sidewalk and I'm like this is what I was I think I was really romanticizing people all year and then I've been so annoyed with everybody for the past couple weeks I think that that's what's going to happen that we all the things we claim to have missed the movie theaters the concerts the gatherings with strangers we've idealized them and now you're talking about just a brief entry point back into what we were calling normal or civilized society and you're already like what the fuck this is so annoying <laughs> So I, I know it's like, what have you been doing all year? Like, what have you not been practicing how to be easier to be around? Exactly, but don't you haven't you have you been paying attention to these stories about fights at basketball games, uh, ruckuses on airplanes because of alcohol? They they blame it on alcohol. I think we took a pause on interacting with each other on a regular basis, and now there is a. I was going to say a small percentage, but uh, these news stories that I'm that I'm alluding to. It's like every week there's some rage incident between people who are just in a what we again pre-pandemic a normal circumstance, but it's it's devolving into sheer anger and violence. And I, as someone like uh, like you, interested in the human condition, I'm a bit concerned. I think people are yeah, yeah. worse than we remember them being. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I kept reading all these articles. People were people were predicting that it was going to be like the 20s again, the roaring 20s. After Prohibition, everyone's going to be going to every concert. People are going to be drinking, doing drugs, having sex. And I do think those things are true. But we also are the only species of animal that doesn't think we're animals. Yeah. And as soon as you get around other animals, you really feel your instincts coming out yeah, you know yeah and it's like it really it really makes you see why they keep animals separate from each other to keep them <laughs> docile in like zoos and you know factory farms and stuff like that because it's just easier to be kind of calm and chill when we're all just alone in our apartments yeah and now everyone's getting put pushed together guys are fist fighting each other the girls are you know getting in how you know how we fight just passive aggressive stuff mostly yeah like it's just it's just when you're around other people your biology changes and so we're feeling all of these animal things again that we were kind of able to suppress when we were all isolated <laughs> and i think it's good i think it's good to feel something like obviously it's not good for civilized society but i don't think we're as civilized as we think we are no no i i would agree by the way for anyone listening i'm sorry that i've brought us this this dark turn to this conversation. No, I love it. This you, is what I like talking about. Yeah, because it's true, isn't it? Like, have you, I, I, the last few times I've I've uh, engaged with your comedy, you've talked about having a boyfriend or a partner. Have you had uh, a partner throughout this, uh, this ordeal, if you will? Yeah, I, I've been with my boyfriend for almost five years now. Oh, nice. And yeah, so we've spent most of the pandemic together um, in Vancouver in my one bedroom apartment so there has been a small amount of friction uh-huh. but he he also went back and spent a few months with his family in Hamilton and we honestly we honestly found a pretty good flow and my boyfriend is doesn't drink or anything like that so we we played a lot of cards anybody that's dating a sober person knows it's constant card games now that's so, interesting and- i don't i i am a sober person i do not drink or partake of the uh, other kinds of intoxicants uh mm-hmm. my, my wife does uh and yeah. she you're like us <laughs> i i am with the opposite i guess or no 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 we're the same yeah well no, it's, the, yeah. it's the same it's not the opposite yeah sorry i yeah we're exactly the same so yeah i but and she likes interestingly she likes the card games and i don't as much but that's that's maybe the opposite part, but it is that's a weird thing. Uh, how has it been for you? Because uh, I have noticed, and we had a brief conversation about this the other day. I've noticed that like the pandemic was starting to get to her, and she wasn't drinking as much because she didn't have anyone to drink with. Uh, normally, she would drink with her family yeah. members or her friends. Again, we just got here in January 2020, and then the pandemic locked everything down. So we haven't had a chance to make new too many new friends. So we've been really locked down. And I have noticed sadness 
And I, I only recently thought, you know what? She's not having like a drink. Every Friday when we're doing pizza night, we make our pizzas from scratch. I'm not bragging. That's just a fact. She'll, <laughs> she'll have a cocktail or something, and then I'll notice she starts to you know get a little giddy. But yeah, is that weird for you? Because I assume you haven't been able to, like you said, you love your friends. Has it been odd to hang out with a sober person and know that you can't just have a social drink with someone and loosen up? Has that been weird for you? Well, I think that it's less about the drinking and more about the the missing of friends. Right, the social part, yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think the obvious solution is you and my boyfriend just need to start drinking. Well, yeah. if you care, if you (laughs) happy wife, happy life. So, you know, do some shots. (laughs) Does he have a a (laughs) philosophical reason for not drinking? Because you seem like someone who would enjoy uh, the drinking and and having fun in, in that regard. Uh, is there a reason he yeah. do, he doesn't drink that? I don't want to pry. It might be for uh, family reasons no, or something. No, I think it's just uh, undiagnosed OCD, and he's worried he'll get addicted to it. But oh. I, he has huh. he has his you know reasons. I think it's just he is still best friends with his group from high school. They've been best friends for for you know over ten years, and none of them really drink, yeah. and they're super tight. So I think if if the group of people you're around doesn't drink, then you tend to not drink either. Yeah, whereas, you like, are the whereas, lo- yeah, like <laughs> you're kind of the lone wolf. I find if you're in music, arts, or culture, like you and I are, I guess uh, you know, like com- comedy and music and nightclubs and bars, like yeah, you're the automatic. Yeah. Like I don't know about your boyfriend, but I'm usually the designated driver. If I toured in bands, guess who's driving? Mm-hmm. Like Vish would drive. Mm-hmm. So. He's probably got that. There is, uh, you say OCD, but that's a bit of a control thing. You're right. I want to be in control of my faculties, and I want. Yes, wanna... I think that's that's what it is. Yeah. It's a self control thing. Right. Anyway, which this... is which yeah. is. <laughs> no, I find it, I find it interesting too because most of the people I know don't drink because they used to drink too much and and right. that that for some reason makes more sense to us than than choosing to not ever want to get to that point. But I think, I think both, both make sense. And I'm, I'm also not a, a big drinker. I'm more of a, a edibles user myself. Yes. I've, However, yes, yes. during the, during the pandemic, I, I, I did drink a little bit because I like to write when I'm a little bit drunk. Sure. And especially because it's been so hard to, get a different mindset like it's because you know you, you come up with your ideas when you're out walking around when you're with friends when you're when you're doing stuff so i think i just needed a bit of a, a change of brain yeah um, the fodder the fodder and, i was and, alluding to earlier yeah for sure yes yes and so when you have a little bit of when you have a you know half a bottle of wine a little bit of edible then hilarity ensues, you know, and it's like people say people say to to write drunk and edit sober, and so I wrote drunk and then uh, just didn't edit because uh, I don't like editing. <laughs> so I got a lot of first drafts. <laughs> By the way, I was only trying. I noticed you noticed that I was trying to move us out of this conversation, but I was only doing so not because I didn't find it interesting. It was out of sensitivity mm-hmm. for your boyfriend who uh, we were talking about, and I realized as I was like, anyway, you talk about him so much that what am I, who am I protecting? He must know he gets talked about, right? I didn't even notice you were trying to change the okay. conversation, well, honestly. Well, I and felt- I, I tell all his secrets on public <laughs> forums, so I'm not really worried. <laughs> you know, you mentioned your grandparents and your parents or in your family uh, hearing, hearing your set, or are you trying to avoid having them hear your sets for the last 12 years? What does your boyfriend make of uh, being part of your act, so to speak? He loves it. He loves the attention. He's a stand-up comic as well. So we, you know, if you're a... People say not to date comics, but I, I can't imagine not being with a comic because they get it. Like, yeah. And I certainly don't say anything that makes him look that bad, really. Like, And, and even, even the jokes that are like, the people might be like, oh, I can't believe he lets you say that. It's like, it's usually an exaggeration or this or that and yeah. he has his own platform too and stand up if he needs to clap back so the youth <laughs> has been saying <laughs> would we uh w- would we know your uh your your boyfriend by name or, or do you want to tell us his name yeah probably mace galoni he is from hamilton but he's you know been around toronto he 
was also nominated for Juno for his album. He also wrote for uh, this hour is 22 minutes and was on camera a lot with them. He's, he's busy. He's doing stuff. Okay. No, that's good. Usually when a comedian talks about their unnamed boyfriend and we maybe don't know the, you know, the relationship, we just, I'll give you his address. No, (laughs) no, no. I just mean, you just picture this sort of nebulous human blob, you know, like this, like, Oh yeah, I can, I don't know. Like, you know, I, when you visualize a joke that someone's telling you, you know, and now we can all put a face to, the boyfriend. Uh, that's all I was well, uh, getting at there. Is I that- kind of that's that's an interesting point because I I forgot about the like when people are listening they're visualizing something because this year I realized um, I don't know if you you saw the whole inner monologue no inner monologue discourse yeah yeah but, I did yeah but I don't have one I don't have an inner monologue and I also don't have visuals. And finding that out this year when all that stuff came out was honestly the biggest self-realization moment I've had in years because I've always known that this something, something was different hmm. about my brain, but I thought I was just a, just a learning disability or something. It turns out it's, <laughs> uh, it's no, no inner monologue. <laughs> so how does that manifest itself for you? How does that manifest itself for you per se? What did you think? What, what, what made you realize that this was something you, uh, you know, uh, could engage with as a as a concept, I suppose. Well, there, an article an article went quite viral, and there was somebody with the inner monologue writing about the fact that they just found out some people don't have them. Hmm. And in that moment, I, I was kind of finding out that ev- pretty much everybody else does have it. And I remember, like, my whole life watching movies and stuff, and you know, somebody looks in the mirror in the movie, and then you hear them talking like okay today's gonna be a good day you know something like that and I always thought it was just kind of a cinematic device to show just you know just more of like a narrative tool and then I found out that's how other people all day you're just talking to yourself (laughs) yeah yeah no totally I mean it's interesting earlier uh you were talking about how you're in this one bedroom apartment with your boyfriend there's been a little bit of friction or what what have you you also say you've been missing the humanity fodder that you would normally have as a comedian this and now you're talking about this inner monologue thing and what you've discovered about yourself so i want to expand upon that because i have been asking people what they've learned about themselves in this period of long period of lockdown also polarization you know uh politicization of a of a mask pandemic like mm-hmm. there's a like I, I so what i'm getting at i guess is i think we've all had time to think about ourselves philosophically existentially but also as we relate how we relate to other people and their bizarre brains where (laughs) where what where where are you at with that have you had a chance to kind of reflect upon yourself beyond the inner monologue stuff that clearly impacted you like what do you make of sophie at this point well yeah totally and just to just to pick out one part of what you were saying like the politicization of masks and also vaccines yeah i think that because i I, like this whole year i've just been really in shock of how many people don't want to get vaccinated Mm -hmm. for for a variety of reasons and i i really found myself being judgmental of those people which is not a, a feeling that i really enjoy having it's a feeling that i hadn't really noticed in myself sort of since trump was elected and i felt the same sort of judgmentalness towards i mean sort of america as a country yeah for that being you know who who ended up winning and so i i was trying to sort of reflect on how to to how to humanize those people in my own mind because the initial response as a progressive person politically and as like a very pro vaccine person is to just you know just think really kind of the worst things about the other side yeah and so i spent a lot of time trying to kind of relate to them and you know i think it always just ends up coming down to people want them and the people that they love to be safe and that's what's being acted upon like people that don't want to get vaccines it's because they think they're not safe for them and their family the people that voted for trump thought trump was going to keep them and their family safe and I think that safety is just like such a, hmm. a prevalent thing that has been around all year. And having you or your family not be safe is a really easy way 
to trigger fear and fear is the most powerful emotion Mm -hmm. that's why you know tyrants use it to get the public on their side it's like it is it is the emotion that makes people act and this year there's a deadly pandemic going around in the air that's living in other people that's living on surfaces we touch and so fear and lack of safety is something that has just been like so like more present than it's ever been in any of our lives probably yeah like unless you've been to war or something but even then like you could you know pick up your coffee cup and know that you can drink from it without well yeah getting germs yeah it's an invisible plague or what what have you yeah absolutely yeah exactly so i think everybody has been sort of in in fight or flight mode all year and that's probably another reason why everyone's getting so aggressive now that we're around other people too because they have all this pent-up energy and it's not like everyone has like home gyms and healthy coping mechanisms like I, i would argue probably nobody has only healthy coping mechanisms and so all of us and especially if you have any form of mental illness that got worse your your stress got worse without any of the ways that you usually blow off stress like hanging out with friends or yeah. working out or whatever it is and so everybody's just in like a pretty tense place and i yeah i think it just it makes sense why everybody is so agitated now <laughs> i i appreciate how you've kind of deline- delineated all of this because uh, i agree with you but i want to take it a little step further by the way this was supposed to be a fun comedy interview and it still is i'm enjoying it it's <laughs> totally fine i made it dark i made it this way it's fine this is what i do i'm a dark cloud i'm just a i'm just a sad man making everyone funny uh seem serious and i make the serious people is- seem funny you know what i mean this is what I like to talk about. This is how. This is what. This is where we find humor. Is yes. You have to find the truth. You have to find realness. Yeah. So where I was going to come from there, though, is so this to me has been a perfect storm. I totally agree with you about the fear mongering, but what we had, particularly because they get the limelight, the the among media outlets here and abroad, for the last five years, six years. America has shone a spotlight on someone who not only stoked fear, but suspicion. So that fear of others was rooted in you need to be vigilant. There's danger out there and they could be anyone. You don't know who's in a sleeper cell. You don't know who these immigrants are sometimes. You've got to suspect everyone. Then we get a plague, an invisible pandemic where you don't know who's got it. It's asymptomatic, for Christ's sake. What, what? No, you couldn't make this shit up, man. You couldn't make it more nefarious. So now we enter, we start to enter polite society after five, six years of, I think, the worst fear-mongering and alienation from each other that we could possibly get. Because that stuff in America, it's been sleeping throughout other parts of the world, but something, some guy, some former guy really activated it in a certain high number of like high percentage of the population is feeling that they can come out of the woodwork and lash out at people not only online but in real life so we have a lot of Mm. rage and anger based on suspicion fear you don't belong here you need to go then you have this asymptomatic plague where anyone could have it of course we're going to, like, it's going to be ugly. No one liked each other beforehand, or they were taught <laughs> yeah. they were taught not to, and now we're like, who's got it? Any one of these people might have it. You know, I send my kids yes. are you know, sorry, I'm going on a bit of a rant. Does that make... Does, no, you, no, keep going. Well, all I was going to say is, as a parent of two children, nine and, or almost ten and six, they got nothing. They got no vaccinations. Like, we were, I'm double vaxxed. My wife is double vaxxed. Apparently... Because it's so, whoever wrote this story was really going for it. Because even though we're vaxxed, we could still get it, apparently. We can still carry it. <laughs> we can still spread it around. They souped up this one, this story. So my kids, I'm yes. deathly afraid. My only fear right now is that my kids are have nothing. And But we've loosened up. We've sent them out into the world. They're roaming after being cooped up. You can imagine being that age. You move across the country, immediately get cooped up in a house, can't talk to anyone doing virtual with school your parents. with your parents the least cool people ever so then you yeah you're, tr- you're, drunk mom and sober dad <laughs> oy, oy, oy. it's quite a combo anyway so now <laughs> we're letting them go but I, every time i'm like i'm happy they're socializing but i have 
what I just described, uh, I have that like I hope nobody there around has it and is and I'm like helicopter parenting and I hate myself for it. So sorry. you need a drink. Yeah, you're okay. Yeah, yeah I knew that was going to be a solution. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. now a- as a progressive person, I'm feeling those same uh, symptoms of the people that I would argue have mostly been well, no. The progressive side of us have been hypervigilant, I think. Some would say to an extreme. Like, there's people who think, those of us who are like, there's another wave coming. There's the variants. They think we want the pandemic to last forever. Do you know what I'm talking about there? Like, they don't think that we're being reasonable I about do. it? Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, it does seem like there's sort of two camps. And the two are not necessarily politically divided to me. But it seems like there's the people that... I think everybody's in somewhat denial, either on the side that the pandemic is never going to end, so just kind of bunker in, or that it's like done. Yeah. And I think both are both are incorrect, and you yeah. know, some form of it is probably going to exist for quite a long time. But I do think that we are approaching regular society, like just right now as we're talking. I just got a notification that the U.S. border just opened back up with Canada. Oh wow. So, yeah. so, you know, stuff stuff is moving in this direction. Even if the vaccine is not 100% effective, it is going to make a difference. And I think the most important thing to remember as progressives is that the divide is not between us and the conservatives. It's between the everybody and the super rich. Well, and yeah, I think as soon yeah. as COVID is over, we can go back to having the billionaires be enemy number one. <laughs> and that's something that I think should unite all of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it hasn't necessarily. I agree with you for sure. But it hasn't on some level. Like, by the way, uh, just to speak on that, progressives kind of want the pandemic to never be over logic, which is flawed. Or I feel like it's not telling the whole story. I think those of us who have thought about the way we used to live pre-pandemic have been enjoying like as morbid as it is and as sad as it is, i've lost people to this horrible thing uh so i'm not gleeful about this but have you found that there are aspects of pandemic life that feel more efficient and better than the way we were living before the pandemic well yes Yes, it's just it's just very simple. Like I would compare it to like when when you're in university or something and you have sort of a singular focus or yeah, like it, you can really get into a routine. It's almost it's honestly more like being retired. I think I think this is what people strive for in, in retirement. Certainly me, like I was I was working from home. Yeah. My boyfriend was here in the morning, we would have coffee, we'd play crib, then you know, do a little bit of work maybe go to the store if we're having a big day go to the grocery store yeah yeah yeah. it's just like it's just it's just you got a little taste of what it's going to be like to be retired i figure yeah well also but i also okay i agree with that but did you have you i have found that okay we used to talk about and we still talk about the work-life balance and for those Mm -hmm. of us who have worked in offices and commuted to different cities as I did when I lived in Guelph I would commute to Toronto when I worked for CBC or whatever or I was commuting to work even in Guelph but for the last 20 years I've been I have like a white collar background in terms of jobs I sit at computers and often I was it dawned on me as I was commuting for two hours to Toronto because they changed the whole train situation you know my wife was home with our then young young baby son and had to do everything because I would be on a train at 6.30 in the morning and back at 7 p.m. because of the schedule. And all I was doing was taking a laptop from one city to another and plugging it in <laughs> in two different places. I'm like, this is, yeah. it's insanity how many of us, I'm again, not to, be, I feel very fortunate or what have you that that's my line of work. I'm not trying to suggest that it's necessarily fair that I shouldn't have to go to an office or whatever you know what I'm trying to, I'm trying to be diplomatic about this not everyone no, is no 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 I totally I totally understand what you mean and the the pandemic has has shown that like it's shown that people that have office jobs can do their work from home and it's also shown how taxing uh, domestic work is the wrong word but like no, childcare how, how taxing yeah. Child- yeah I'm home yeah. I can start so, I can start prepping dinner for my family at 4 30 p.m if i want to and we can eat at a civil hour instead of rushing home from a job uh hopefully home by six 
trying to put mm-hmm. something together that these animals will eat because you never know. Any day they're like, now I don't like pizza. You have been eating pizza every day for the, your whole life. And now you hate it. What's going on? So you, yeah, I hated it all. Well, totally. Yeah, totally. And I think that the pandemic, I think that the good part of the pandemic is and the good and bad part is that it accelerated trends in society that we have been seeing go really slowly because society moves so slowly, but something like this that just disrupts everything, it shot up online shopping, which was already increasing like crazy, but yeah. I think it like, it's, it's like doubled or something psychotic like oh, that. I'm sure it's even, Everybody yeah, got, yeah. yeah, everyone got groceries delivered. Anybody that can work from home does work from home. Even now that Trudeau just passed a thing, like just more ch- more childcare assistance. Yeah. I, I don't have kids, so I don't know exactly what it was, but I saw that and I thought that was great. Yeah. And as a as a childless person, I think that's good, and I think that's what my tax dollars should be going towards yeah. is childcare relief. Yeah. I mean, and dental. Shout out to the NDP. But <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just from this acceleration, there is there is good and, and bad things. Obviously, like I think online shopping is probably bad certainly through amazon well how many times but, have you uh, i don't know if you enjoy like these sort of virtual meeting things but i'm sure you've been in situations in your life where someone said come down to my office or can you fly out to toronto so we yeah. can have a pitch meeting and now because of this they're like no we'll just do it over whatever platform and so you do the meeting you have mm-hmm. the human interaction you turn it off you're home like you you're not trudging through the world again like i yeah. like i i do like i'm not some misanthrope well maybe i am i can't decide the, le- <laughs> the, the less i have to deal with shit uh, with people and paying for stuff that i you know 17 dollars for a sandwich at the airport like all of it never made any sense to me i'm sure you've dealt with this as someone who travels and has yeah. to go somewhere like isn't it isn't that part better that we're not doing that as much but but also the flip side is do you see us sticking to this the stuff we that's my biggest frustration sophie is that i think we learned some valuable things here as you kind of enumerated you know some of the things i have a feeling that if the virus went away magically they'd be like okay back to work back to normal i'm like what what that's (laughs) that's my like that is my tension my stress if i had it as soon as my mm-hmm. workplace said, you know what, starting and we're going to stay where we're we're at, but starting in January, permanent hybrid. I was like, oh my god, I work for such a progressive company. This is great because that was my biggest fear that I'd have to, you know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, sorry, do you see where yeah, I'm coming I, from? I have I have quite a few friends that are dealing with that right now who have been working from home, and now their companies are sort of deciding what it's going to be like yeah. moving forward, and almost everybody that has been able to work basically fully from home now either is doing like one or two days in the office and the rest from home or um, able to take like a week or two of paid somewhat vacation, like allowed to, to work if, if you're away fully. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Like for me, I like traveling. That's, that's really when I get a lot of, my stuff done when I'm on the plane yeah. when I'm in a new city and in hotel rooms. And I'm also, I'm also better in the room than over zoom. Cause I, you know, I'm a comedian. I, I don't have very good Wi-Fi. I'm poor. I'm, if I can be in the room, I can really make it more of a splash. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> this is, by the way, <laughs> this is going great. I love, this is going just great. <laughs> I am, I am, I am, I'm smitten. I'm you, you have me in your sway. This is great. Just so you know. <laughs> okay, cool. I just, I still feel like I'm better in the room. And that's, that's what standups do. Like our skill that we have developed is to create a vibe in a room. That is the absolute boiled down what it is that we do. Charisma. And that just, charisma. It, you got, just, you, comedians just, have charisma. It, well, it just can't, ex- it can't exist the same way over Zoom. I did some Zoom shows and the fact that you're not all in the same room, in the same environment, it's not the same connection. Yeah. And if I'm pitching something or if I'm having a meeting or or podcast and stuff, like when you're in the same environment, there's just a deeper connection. And I am also very much enjoying this. I feel like we're talking about really yeah. cool things. Yeah. But yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, like just in the room stuff is really when you make those deep, meaningful moments 
You would rather we were both in the same room so you could surreptitiously feed me edibles. That's what you're saying. I think that's what's exactly. going on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'll fight Edmonton and drug you. <laughs> Please don't. Don't say that. That's off the record. That should be off the record. Don't say that. That's going to come back to that's, haunt both of us. Put, put it in. <laughs> so uh, comedians, when there are, uh, you know, when there are tragedies uh, or, or, you know, whatever, this is a tragedy, the pandemic. Uh, often they get saddled with these kinds of questions. I'm going to do the saddling right now, but the question is how? How do you make a joke about this? But I know that I've, I have lots of jokes. I, I have lots of jokes. About Twitter, it. <laughs> Twitter is on fire with funny, funny stuff about this because that's what my favorite part of comedy is: is laughing in the face of despair and death. Absolutely, uh, putting off Absolutely. the yeah, to me. yeah. To me, it's it's just we were talking about earlier, like these big, broad, shared experiences that everybody in stand up is it's easy to talk about because, you know, everyone relates to sex and eating and family and, you know, whatever city you're in. Now we all have another thing that we can all relate on. I think it's beautiful. Like, yeah, of course, it's a massive tragedy, but we all experienced it, even if you're anti-vax. Even if you don't even believe in COVID, you still experience the places shutting down and gaining weight and all this yeah. stuff. So yeah. Yeah. I think it is actually uniting for the human race in a way. <laughs> no, it, no, no. <laughs> I mean, honestly, in in the last 25, 30 years, whatever it's been where we've had the internet uh, and are supposedly more connected than ever, I think we've noticed in the last 10 to 15 years, we're actually, we've never been this fractured. Uh, and, and, and also like, remember when we were, I don't know. Oh no, you're, you're much younger than me, Sophie. But when we were kids, if there was like a TV show on, let's say it was, um, this is even before my time a little bit, but let's say it was Hill Street Blues or Dallas. Remember that show Dallas? Do you ever hear tell of the Dallas show? Okay. So I had somebody on my podcast once who picked out my podcast is called obsessed and people talk about what they're obsessed with and somebody did dallas and i had not heard of it but i knew the simpsons episode right who shot shot mr Mr. burns Burns. yeah 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 and and i i love that's i mean that's very much my generation's thing is finding out about all of these big things just from a simpsons episode oh my god there's a tweet i just saw today where someone uh had sort of tried to meme uh, one of the funniest moments in Simpsons history. And one of the comments was, you know, LM, I can't even remember the acronym for laughing my ass off. I can't, I don't know why I can't do that. LMAO. For you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I don't know what, but there's an F in there, you know, for the F word. Anyway, the, the, oh, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the, the comment was that, what show is this from? And the, the person who retweeted, it's like, this is the most informative thing I've ever, this just says so much that the Simpsons isn't known I'm having this argument with a friend of mine. It's a constant argument. He's trying to argue that... I, I don't know why he's picking on me for this. Uh, <laughs> but he's trying to argue that I'm out of it. But I'm like, what does that mean? Like, what are you talking about? Like, if I have a guest on my show that, say, had their heyday in the 90s, he's like, no one knows who that is. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, look, I'll ask my people at work and I'll ask my kids. Look, and they'll send me screenshots. I'm like, how do them not knowing what I know, how does that make me the one that's out of it? Uh, I, but what about the Simpsons? Well, no. In that case, it was just guests on my show. From like I say, but what I'm saying is, we're in this weird zone where a generation of people are like young people don't know anything. Uh, they don't know what the Simpsons yeah. are, and and yeah. what what this tweet I saw today was wrestling with. Wait, that's true. A bunch of kids don't know what the Simpsons are because it's not their thing. But uh, an, mm-hmm. uh, our generation, or probably mine, again, you're younger than me grew up on The Simpsons, so the divide is happening. But what this also, I think, speaks to is, and I don't want to make this a media studies lecture all of a sudden, but we are very (laughs) fractured with how we consume things. We're just completely like every, no one has everything the same. When we were kids, uh, when I was a kid, if everyone was talking about the show Dallas, we would all, well, maybe not me, I was too young, but we would all we would all watch the thing everyone was talking about. So and so is on Letterman. Everyone's mm-hmm. watching Letterman. That doesn't happen yeah. anymore. That doesn't happen yeah. anymore. So that's what I was kind of getting at. I know what you mean. I think I think their version of that is online stuff. Like it's more memes yes. that everybody in a generation knows as opposed to a full TV show or movie. Well, my friend is also like Twitter is for old people, obviously. 
Um, yeah. But I mean, are are you on TikTok? I I had yes. My friend uh, Jim Guthrie is a musician. He's older than I am, and he's obsessed with it. And I'll just tell you because you talk about your boyfriend all the time. I'm going to tell Jim's dirty laundry now. I'm going to tell you his secrets. (laughs) He's just like you got to get on. You got to get on TikTok. It'll blow your show up out of the you know whatever. I'm like all right. So I go on there, and I don't really know how to use all of the things. But then, like my, I had I downloaded the app, but and and I don't know. Do you have an iPhone? My iPhone will now just be like, you don't need this app. And the next time I go to the app, it's not like there. Oh yeah, it wants you to re-download it or whatever. So I found my phone was buggy, and I couldn't figure out why. And then it offloaded the TikTok app, and it's been relatively fine. So I haven't gone back to it. But my point being, to answer every every answer for me is so long. I'm so sorry, Sophie. (laughs) Yes, I have I have a TikTok account. I use it sometimes to promote my show, but I also find it a little unsatisfying because I feel like I'm trying to pander to a group of people that don't give a shit about what I'm talking about. Not, I mean, it's, and that's fine. I mean, I deal with subversive and subcultural stuff. I know it's not going to be for everyone, but. No, but this is the thing about TikTok is if you, I mean, the same as, as every other social media, once you sort of find your niche, there is, there is all there's the people that that like your podcast and your writing and your yeah. your Twitter and stuff even like it's it it was kind of purely 13-year-olds dancing for quite a few years and now it's really opening up into the general public yeah and and the, yeah. And the point about it being glitchy is uh, just because of uh, China spying on you. <laughs> that's right. I, I did have and, that. <laughs> and that is true. And that's just part of it. And you just got to be okay with it. <laughs> it does often. It'll be like, can we have your contacts? I'm like, I already said no, TikTok. No, we want. Let us have your contacts. I want all Please, your contacts. Can we have. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I already told you no. Stop it. Or And then it's like. <laughs> You just want us to access the one thing, the one photo or video. Can't we access them all? And I say, no, TikTok, no. I want you to just use the one that I want to put up. No, we want them all. So it is nefarious. I am suspicious of it. And that's just the paranoid world I live in. So, but you, yeah, you're, are you on it? Do you use it? it? I don't, I don't really post anything. I just, I just um, consume. I do think that, somewhere. I do think that the, the youngs, uh, start a thing, start using a thing. And then when all of us olds start being like, yeah, this is cool, they're like, we're out, we're done. They do it with every social media oh, platform. Totally. So that's why you're like... Yeah, that's I, what happened to Facebook. Totally, totally. So, And I'm finally just starting to use it a bit more again after like a couple of years off. Because <laughs> I find I do better on Facebook. I Like if I make a joke or a joke post, you know, on my Twitter, it's like, yeah, it's a little bit again this is horrible this is telling you some vanity shit about me that i shouldn't care about i'm 43 for christ's sake i shouldn't care about likes and engagements but that's how i No, i think i think everybody that's what everybody gravitates to the platform where they get the most validation like the social media exists to give you a little i know dopamine hit or whatever so it's bad it's not it's not good to go to the best source yeah i know but i i find it interesting that the exact same material does worse on one thing than the other so it's like the it's it the platform or the material? Why does the same post? That's a, that's quite a question, isn't it? Well, I mean, I think the algorithm. People love to talk about the algorithms, right? And that seems to really be the key. Like, I know that Instagram is now trying to compete directly with TikTok. So people that post videos now on Instagram are are like helped by the algorithm. So. Yeah. As soon as you find out what what things work on each one, and like my my friend is like a social media person, like that's what she went to university for, and so I, I get to hear all those little nuggets, like you know what time you post that on different yeah, ones, get yeah. different results. Like if I think on on Facebook, if there's a link in whatever it is you're posting, it won't do as well. Yeah, there's so many little things like that that are very much not intuitive. Yeah, that as soon as you hear them, you can kind of cheat towards that if you want to yeah okay well i appreciate this little social media lesson i should know how to use it by now (laughs) but i think everything you're saying is valid and uh and it's sad that i care about it on the one hand but on the other it's part of my job so i appreciate uh appreciate that so uh you know we're talking for a couple of different reasons i'm i'm very happy to hear about the uh 
the Crave special, but you're also uh, taking part in JFL in Montreal. How are you doing that? Because I know they're doing kind of a hybrid thing. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm I'm flying in. I'm doing it live because that's where we're filming the special. So. Oh, right. Of course. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had alluded to the fact that you've already realized that the material for your special is going to be dirty. Uh, are we getting greatest hits, Sophie stuff? Is this all fresh and new material? What, what can we expect? Uh, a lot of it is fresh, but also I am I am repeating some stuff just because I haven't really been able to create material this year. Like everything in stand up gets created on stage, right? With a reaction, right? So it, I I don't everything everything that's new has sort of been crafted in the past month or so, oh. somewhat frantically. Whereas, like, usually if I'm putting out a, like, when I put out my album, I had been doing those, like, I had been doing stand-up for 10 years, and I had never put anything out before. So, hmm. I'm used to just really having tweak stuff for years and years to a place where I, I think it's really perfect. So, I have, like, a couple jokes like that in my special that I really feel are polished and all done. And I, I, I'm always adding to stuff. So, I, I like I like when I've had a ton of time to work on jokes, but... I got a couple couple new things that are I wouldn't say looser, but just I haven't had as much time to play with them. Yeah, like so, as as we're speaking, you're doing how many shows are you doing today? I have two tonight, um, but I've I've been doing shows almost every night since since the restrictions oh. have lifted. So. Oh, okay. So you have you have uh, what's the term? You've room or road tested this some of this stuff. And you're fine tuning oh, it based on those reactions definitely. and whatnot. Yeah, okay. Definitely, I just I build stuff so slowly usually, so this is really um, supercharged the amount of time I've, I've. I just yeah, I prefer to just do it a million times because I, I write on stage, so yeah. little tags and and little moments and a fun way to get into it and or a fun connection like those those things for me usually come with time. So I've had to I've had to kind of do that faster than my usual comfort levels. Right. But I think it's good for me to just, it's, you know, it's not that hard. I should just really do it a bit faster. Sophie, you're the best. It's going to be great. I, I guarantee you everyone's going to enjoy themselves because I've seen you perform <laughs> once and that's enough. I know. I know based on that one time that you're going to knock it out of the park. Uh, no, it's Thank you. it's exciting. So is there anything else beyond those things? And I'll get you to maybe um, in a moment uh, tell us where we can learn more about you and those things and your podcast and anything else. But uh, is there anything else coming up that you want to talk about? I saw you on, I think the last time I saw you was maybe on John Doerr's uh, Human Resources show. Is that right? Is that maybe? Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. great. That was a great, that was one of the funniest ones. Thanks. I enjoyed that. Yeah. So what else Thank is, you. you're welcome. What else is coming up for you? Anything you can share at this point? Um, I have a ton of tour dates coming up in Canada and in the States. Yeah, I, I have my podcast that I, I do every week with different guests. But yeah, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to get other jobs too. Like basically, this whole month during the day, I do I I've been submitting writing packages to shows and yeah. doing self tape auditions, and then at night I go out and I just stand up, and you know, and then on the weekends I'll try to get a couple podcast episodes. So there's a lot there's a lot of me available. <laughs> busier than um, busier than ever. Probably somehow. Yeah, jump, jump, jumped right back into it. It's a lot of build up, <laughs> built up energy. So, so yeah, just just a ton of a ton of tour dates and stuff. And yeah, recommend my podcast because that's very fun for me to do. Yeah, you should recommend your podcast. I recommend my podcast all the time. Sometimes it takes. Oh, I love to- yeah, I, I recommend my podcast on my own podcast. I do it all the time. <laughs> I don't do that. I let the podcast that I make speak for itself, but maybe I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> maybe I should spend a good chunk of the podcast just big upping the podcast with my guests so that everyone is clear <laughs> yeah. that I like the, my own show because I don't think yeah. making over 600 of them is enough. I need to articulate that I like doing it and that it's good. That's a good call. Yeah. I appreciate this. Thank you. <laughs> so if people want to learn more about you, your work, uh, what have you, where would you like to send them? So my podcast is available everywhere. It's called Obsessed with Sophie Buttle. I'm on Instagram, I'm SophBuds. On Twitter, I'm Sophie Buttle. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm very excited 
accessible. I'm available everywhere. <laughs> okay, that's that's good to know. All right, well, I, I wonder, Sophie, this has been a lovely uh, conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for chatting with me. I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank you for saying so. Normally, uh, if, I, it's, uh, if I have a comedian, if I have a musician, we go out on a track. Uh, if, if a comedian has a record or a musician, obviously, would often have a record. You have a record. I wonder... Is it permissible for us, and do you want to? I know it's going back a couple of years, but would you want to go out on something from your album that we can play for people right now? Yeah, sure. You can play anything. Don't do that to me. I asked. No, you have to play. <laughs> Don't just oh, say anything. Okay. I want you to have complete control over the decision okay. of what we play okay. because you could be like, I, you know, you put out. Isn't it weird we put out stuff and then maybe two, three years later, you're like, I don't even relate to who I was. Or that joke, or that yeah. song. I want you, Sophie, to to be able to say, "I am. I have the power to pick the track that we hear." That's where I'm coming from. Does okay. that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. From from my album, there's a track called "Cheating." I think that is is a nice little catchy joke that that should be good. <laughs> it's a catchy joke. <laughs> it's a it's a catchy joke. It'll stay with people. I guess that's what jokes do, don't they? They they are catchy. Oh, they can totally be catchy. I never thought of that. I, we always think songs or someone whistling a melody at the grocery store. That's catchy. But uh, That's catchy. But a joke is catchy. Okay, this is Cheating by uh, Sophie Buttle from the amazing record, Little Bit of Buttle. Sophie, again, thank you so much for this time. This was a pleasure, and I wish you the best of luck with everything in the future. Oh, thank you so much for chatting with me. I had a great time. Have you guys been cheated on? I just feel like asking that gets everyone feeling good. Um, have you guys been broken up with too? Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, me too. Um, it sucks being broken up with. Sucks, especially when they don't do any work. Like when they don't think of stuff that they're going to tell you. Like, cause it's the worst when someone breaks up with you unprepared and they don't. Like, someone told me that he was breaking up with me because I'm too pretty. He didn't say, but I knew. Um, <laughs> He said he was breaking up with me because I'm always emasculating him, which is such a little bitch fucking reason. (laughs) I got cheated on. Um, I don't think that you should be sad if you get cheated on ever. If you're a girl, you can be sad if you're a boy, obviously, because that sucks. I'm sorry. (laughs) Girls don't even like having sex. They just cheat to be mean. Um... But if you're a girl and you get cheated on, that's your one time in society when you're encouraged to be crazy. (laughs) It's your time to shine. (laughs) Usually music is like, shake your ass. And then as soon as you get cheated on, it's like, kill him. And you're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And the best song is the Carrie Underwood one. That one gets everyone all riled up. It's a great song. What happens in it is she smashes up her ex-boyfriend's car with a baseball bat. And I'm not American. I don't have a baseball bat just lying around my home. But it's a good idea. And I got cheated on by a comedian, so we did not have a car. (laughs) I just cut up his bus pass. It was fine. It was like near the end of the month anyway, though. I wasn't even satisfied. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. All right, very special thanks again to Sophie Buttle for appearing on this, the 627th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my... It says here monthly newsletter. That's a bit of a lie at this point. It's not... It has... You know, you subscribe to the newsletter, don't you? It's not always monthly. I got to get back on it. It's just... I don't. I feel like I say so much to you here. Do you really want to read things I have to say and think? Anyway, it exists. I encourage you to subscribe to it. Sometimes it's fun and good. I'll do it. I'll do it soon. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. If you want to learn about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter... Please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook if you like. You can also follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative or follow me directly on Twitter or on Instagram at vishkana. Also visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt in either maroon or yellow with pizza lettering, please message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. I didn't do the maroon one justice. The maroon one has my head on it, like the logo that I use. So it's got that, but it's maroon instead of orange or blue, whatever color you see out there. Anyway, thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, too, to Jim Guthrie for loaning me some music for the show. You can learn more about Jim and his amazing, amazing back catalog and current catalog of music at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with Sophie. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and will check out her comedy. She is very, very funny. And if you like this podcast episode and you want to learn more about the podcast, follow it, subscribe to it, tell your friends about it, talk to your friends about the show. They'll tell you it stinks or they like it, and then you, at least you'll have a conversation, and then maybe something will good will develop. I don't know. Anyway, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.